Well, welcome back, everybody, to the Story Symbol Spirit, a podcast on how to make sense of Scripture. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. To everyone out there, this is our first ever Christmas episode. So exciting. Uh, and this is like Christmas Day. I know. This won't happen because I mean, Christmas won't always be well, on Monday. Well, it will happen again because it's going to take us like 27 years to get well, to the yeah, Bible. Yeah. So it'll we'll, probably happen yeah, again, right? Statistically. <laughs> but we are honored to be with you today on Christmas Aww, Day. My yeah. name is John McCambers. I'm joined as always by my co-host. I'm Jackie Mitchell. And we have a very special guest today, yes. Alexander Patterson Hello. with us yeah, for this special episode. Alexander is Sean Patterson's son. It's mm. true. And if you guys <laughs> remember all the way back episode three, I think we yeah. talked about a little bit of apologetics with the uh, the historicity, the reliability of scripture. Mm-hmm. And Sean was on with us. Really cool episode. And he was our first and to this point only guest. Yeah. So, so usually not anymore. Yeah. So usually Jackie doesn't love having guests on because she feels like true. it takes away from her, you know, spotlight. <laughs> but but we decided for today for this event, Jackie, you I could sacrifice it. I for the people. It. Well, thank you. If it's a Patterson. Very and Yeah, only Patterson's <laughs> is our only rule. <laughs> Uh, but today we are going to talk a little bit uh, from a historical perspective mm-hmm. about the timing of the birth of Christ, mm-hmm. right? So Christmas yeah. Day, obviously this is the celebration of the birth of Jesus. Uh, but uh, from a historical perspective, you know, th- that has more to do with the church history of feasts and when those mm-hmm. feasts are placed mm-hmm. rather than the historical Jesus was born on this day yeah. based on whatever. And so uh, basically what Alexander has done as uh, I think I called it last week, your, your magnum opus hmm. of, of uh, kind of historical biblical scholarship is you have taken uh, extra biblical sources, mm-hmm. both history, astrological and the Bible. And you've kind of uh, triangulated mm-hmm. what you believe to be a good, uh, a good estimate of when Jesus was actually born. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Historically speaking. It's cool. And so, uh, today we're gonna we're gonna get into that, mm-hmm. uh, but before we do, Alexander, how are you this this wonderful Christmas season? I I am well. Um, that is what someone said out of well. That was the first <laughs> the dad first joke. The first dad in the Bible. joke, according to well. Robert Bell. Um, <laughs> now I have a, I do have a question for you. This is a very important question. Are you excited to be on the longest running podcast of all time? <laughs> Absolutely. It is a singular treat. This is episode 49. And what I explained to Jackie last week is that episode oh. 50 is going to happen on New Year's I Day. Warned, mm-hmm. I warned Alexander mm-hmm. about your attitude towards episode 50. And so I don't know what needs to be warned about it. It's simply joy and excitement and <laughs> sense of accomplishment. I mean, it's having... a lot of joy, though. If you're not prepared, that can kind of take you off guard. Well, yeah. it is something Thank that you. no one's Get ever accomplished before. Yeah, 50 no, I mean, it's, it's truly I said momentous. To prep them. I had to... It is uh, historic. It's, it's historical. Let's just say, let's just call it what Th- it is. This one's historical. The, the next one. This one is historical in every sense of the word. Yeah, <laughs> that was good, Alexander. Oh, okay, don't start word playing with me, Jackie. Okay. Uh, all right. So, Alexander, why don't you just kind of give us a brief synopsis of what we're going to talk about today um, and before we get into it so sure, that we can yeah. kind of prepare people to, to hear. So, uh, first of all, uh, this is not a uncommon topic for people to talk about. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's not an uncommon topic for people to just come up with kind of whatever day they feel like. Mm -hmm. Uh, There are lots of answers um, and lots of different answers. And so, of course, I think I'm right. (laughs) And uh, that will be most people who you hear talk about the topic. Um, But the way that I'm going to structure my presentation of things, the first major topic which basically everybody needs to grapple with, 
is when Herod the Great died. Yeah. Mm. Um, and that is one of the things that I will have the most disagreement with the most sort of classical, typical historians on. Because uh, if you go to Wikipedia, it'll say, yeah, King Herod the Great died in 4 BC. And there's, I guess, a small fringe contingent, which we'll label under the main historian filmer. Eh, he says 1 BC. It's probably nothing. Don't worry about it mm. too much. Um, and so you read the works of people like Filmer and like Steinman, and it's like, sure, did good research for 1896. Mm. And people say, yeah, we're just going to keep on doing that. We're, he, he, did, he did a good job, and we're never going to look very carefully at it ever mm. again. Mm. Um, so making sure that Herod dies in the right year is important, because mm-hmm. if you're saying, well, Herod died in 4 BC, and Jesus, according to the Gospels, was born before the death of Herod, then mm-hmm. you're going to be looking before 4 BC. That's a is, good mile marker to when Jesus was born. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's a very sort of landmark thing to look at. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sure. So, that, so death of Herod the Great? Death of Herod the Great. Yep. Important thing. Get squared away. Um, second major topic is then the census, mm-hmm. which a lot of, you know, the one of the more common arguments that you will hear from your classic atheistic, critical, skeptical types is, well, A, because Herod died in 4 BC, and then B, because this census under Quirinius, everyone knows has to be in AD 6, well, that's a 10-year discrepancy between Mm. Matthew and Luke. Mm. And those are the only two accounts of Jesus being born that we have. And if they're 10 years different, aren't they contradicting each other? Isn't this casting doubt on whether he was ever born at all? Well, no, and we'll get into that. Mm. Um, so, because Matthew has to do with Herod the Great, yeah, right, and then Luke talks about the census under Quirinius. So I the, think, mm. yeah. So the question is, how do those things, how do those mesh together? Yeah, right? yeah. yeah. Mm. Okay, so so the census under Quirinius, mm-hmm. and then okay, what yeah. else? And so then, so those two, I think, are pretty easy, common topics that are also, I mean. They're quote-unquote controversial in the sense that you can get to different answers, but mm-hmm. they're also pretty sort of grounded. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and those are the two things you typically know if you read the gospel stories. Yeah. You know Herod was around, and then mm-hmm. he died, and you know mm-hmm. that there was a census. So those are two things that are referenced in the Bible, and, and most people who know the gospel story would know that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. At least to some degree. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the next two points are... I'm not going to say more nebulous, but I think it is much easier to get it more dramatically wrong. Okay. Um, used to be, way back in the day, point three, Dead Sea Scrolls evidence mm-hmm. for the priestly divisions. Mm. I used to say that if you could figure out the cycle of priestly divisions, because if you ask five different people, you don't get four different answers, you get seven different answers. Because <laughs> sometimes they'll say, yes, I used this evidence to reach that conclusion. And you see what evidence they reached and you do the same thing and you reach a different conclusion mm. than the one that they reached. Mm. Um, so I said, you know, if you can manage to figure this out, then you should just go to your nearest history department and pick up your PhD because that's <laughs> pretty powerful to figure out the Dead Seas, <laughs> the the, um, the priestly divisions stuff correctly. And over and against all of the other hypotheses out there. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I found new evidence and I said, ah, no, I've got the right answer and all of you fools are now entirely (laughs) wrong. 
And that's why we have you on the podcast because we think you are right. So <laughs> I, I don't, I mean, great. And now that you're on the this podcast, he's basically it, like, a, it's basically like having a PhD. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a nice, same a nice thing, rubber seal. Much, except uh, better. Nice. Uh, put, put that on the resume. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You can add that. At the top. To the, at the top, probably. Yeah. And then the last one, which I think is very interesting, is like an actual, astro- like as yeah. far as his- historically one can tell, an, a- an actual astrological event that's mentioned in the Bible, right? Mm-hmm. That's really which cool. Which is yeah. what? Well, that's the Star of Bethlehem. Star of Bethlehem, yeah. right? So we're going to talk about what? Extra his- extra biblical historical sources that talk about something like this? Or? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. That. All right. Well, uh, before we get going, uh, Alexander, we kind of like dive into some of this stuff. How did you become interested in this topic? Why is this sort of the thing that you really drilled down on? Mm. I don't remember. <laughs> um, I mean, I think now, now that I'm in the middle of it, I think it's kind of one of those things of, especially because I've gotten to the point that I've gotten with it. Mm. There's sort of a couple of different prongs of a, you've got the, you know, people who say Matthew and Luke, you know, are completely contradictory. So there's right. the basic thing of, can you reconcile them? Yes. Then there's the, okay, but things are lining up kind of nicely. And the Mm. more nicely things line up Mm. within the Gospels, between the Gospels and your historical sources, the more that everything gets laid out in a nice, Mm. neat line, you say to yourself, oh, this actually sounds like like history, like, Mm. you know, actual chronological events, like the amount of time that people say things should take and they don't actually think about how long it should take and you can tell by the way they wrote it that they couldn't have thought too long about how mm. long it should take. Mm. Does actually work out with how long it actually did take. Yeah. So it's almost like you you started to get into it and the more you got into it, the more and more you wanted to know. It's like a yeah. snowball effect. Kind yeah. Of. yeah. Yeah. And it's also because it's so popular of a topic already, it's one of those things to never rest on your laurels on too mm. much, to make sure that you've always, you know, addressed as many different points of contention, as many different historical little tiny data, make sure that all of those fit in, that you're not, you know, ironing out wrinkles where you really shouldn't, mm-hmm. that you, that everything is not just fitting, but fitting kind of nicely. Mm-hmm. It's laying flat. Yeah. And then the more that it does lay flat, the more that you want to make it lay yeah. flatter and broader That's mm-hmm. cool. and just compile everything mm-hmm. together. I feel like um, with scholarship, sometimes the reason it's difficult is because scholarship builds on scholarship. Mm -hmm. So there's a mountain of presuppositions whenever Mm -hmm. you take up something like this, right? So so the reason that there are people who continue down the road of like certain tracks is because those tracks have been laid, right? And if those tracks have some kind of air in them or something that, that new evidence shows then like that whole line of scholarship now has this kind of erroneous mm-hmm. you know, yeah. element to it, right? Yeah. And this happens a lot in biblical scholarship. And uh, Jackie and I talked about this a little bit on this podcast, and I think we'll probably do an episode at some point. But whenever there's something like archaeological mm-hmm. excavations, mm-hmm. it always does more to confirm the biblical stories yes. mm-hmm. than yeah. to deny it, which is something that like, kind of the like anti-biblical side of scholarship and academia, they like really hate that mm-hmm. about a lot of the the more recent discoveries. <laughs> like, I mean, Sodom and Gomorrah is basically like actually happened, mm-hmm. which again, then as soon as you realize that Sodom and Gomorrah happened, you jump to, if you're, if you're a critical scholar, you jump to, well, yes, there was some kind of, 
event that vaporized the city and <laughs> turned it into glass, but it wasn't God. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's like, well, fair enough. We can have that discussion. But before this discovery, you, you were you saying that it, it never happened yeah, because exactly. of course it didn't happen. Yeah. That's crazy. Exactly. Well, now you're saying it's a meteor, Yeah. which, okay. I mean, the Bible doesn't say it's not a meteor. Right, it says exactly. it's the judgment of God. So, um, that is, uh, sort of like, as you kind of unearth evidence, the assumptions and the presuppositions should change with it. And if you're being an intellectually honest scholar, then then you need to you need to go with that, even mm-hmm. if it is against you know what what your kind of like thesis mm-hmm. is, right? Mm-hmm. So um, so I, why don't we why don't we kind of uh, get into this? And the the order of operations that I think would be good is is why don't we begin with Herod? Yeah, mm-hmm. and kind of talk about when when do you think Herod died? Yeah, and why? And then what does that what does that do to the scholarly consensus? And mm-hmm. then what does that do for us in terms of like narrowing a time frame? Because yeah. if I'm if I if I'm not mistaken, the way you're gonna talk about this is sort of like these events sort of create decreasing mm-hmm. concentric yeah. circles, mm-hmm. right? Exactly. That, that are narrowing in on a date. Mm-hmm. So at the end of each section, why don't you just tell us like, okay, so this basically puts us within this range. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So let's talk about Herod. So Basically, one of the most important things that a lot of people can agree on that gives us somewhere really solid to start from Mm. is Josephus. Well, lots of things about Josephus, Mm. but most importantly, Josephus records that pretty shortly before Herod dies, there's a lunar eclipse. There's this whole thing where there's an insurrection and Mm. then Herod kills them and Mm -hmm. then there's a lunar eclipse, which is everybody thinks is judgment from God for, for Herod doing such a terrible thing. And Josephus is mm-hmm. um, uh, a Jewish historian. Yeah. Yes. From, very, very well known. Yeah, very well known. Mm-hmm. Um, really like the 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 guy. The, yeah. the yes. historical source from this time yeah. period. I mean, there's just yeah. not that much history that, that is others, left. But, n- but not, he's not the most many. prominent he, yeah. for sure. And he yeah. was kind of writing for the Romans, right? Yeah. Yeah. He was like a Jewish uh, he's fr- he he was a Jew, but he was kind of on the side of the Romans. Yeah, and that's yeah. that's part of why he's as big as he is because he's got the Roman Empire's backing. Right, right. Yeah. But talking about Jewish history, yes. precisely because the Romans knew nothing of Jewish history, right, and so he said, right. "Hey, let me can I can I fix that for you? Can I give you some actual accurate information that's about cool. my entire people's entire thousands of years of <laughs> yeah. history?" Mm-hmm. That's cool. Yep. Okay. So, so Josephus has yeah. stuff about about Herod. Yeah. Right? Lots okay. of stuff. So go go ahead. Lunar eclipse. One of the most important. So very easy thing to do, especially not quite so much as in 1896 yes. when Sure was live. Nowadays, really easy to look back and see. Well, when did lunar eclipses happen? Yeah. And so we have we're we're basically all unconcerned about when he was born. Mm. We don't have like a precise day, but we're thinking plus or minus a year around 72 BC. Herod being born? Herod being born. That's pretty uncontroversial. Mm -hmm. Um, Don't disagree with that too much. If there's controversy around that, that'd be interesting to find, but I'll take that Mm -hmm. for now as just sort of ordinary and normal. So then you look to, because he's, quote unquote, about 70 years old when Mm -hmm. he dies, you look to, well, around the time of two-ish BC, Mm -hmm. lunar eclipse is around there to see when he might have died. And so your three sort of best contestants, Mm -hmm. I think there's one in five BC and one in like two or six or something. But your main three contestants are March 13th of four BC. Okay. 
January 10th of 1 BC mm -hmm. and December 29th of 1 BC. Okay. And so the, the, because Josephus said that Herod dies and then there's a, an eclipse. There's an eclipse and then Herod dies. And then Herod dies. Yeah, so okay. it's, it's, I would say that you could get about 16 days mm -hmm. uh, for the events between the eclipse and when Herod dies, okay. maybe a little bit more, mm -hmm. not really less. Yeah. Okay. So, but also because around that time, Herod is described as having a really awful disease where there are like worms going in and out of his body. Mm. Um, in the Bible, it talks about this, I believe. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, but just in, and Josephus says the same thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, there's a really funny anecdote about him trying to uh, go to a big bath sauna place, getting dunked in a thing of oil, almost dying, and his attendants fish him out, and he says, well, this was great, guys. Let's never do this again. I'm <laughs> going to pay everyone who is here for trying with me. This was horrible. <laughs> Let's just go home. Wow. Um, so... Really horrible disease, probably not lasting more than a month, month and a half. Yeah. Okay. I think 16 days. Okay. Yeah. So, so, so in the book of Acts, it talks about how Herod died and was eaten by worms. Mm -hmm. And so you're saying that Josephus says this. Uh, so I, I don't remember if he says worms particularly, but certainly lots like a of horrible maladies. Disease. Yeah. That, like, you know, he goes temporarily yeah. blind wow. because he's exposed to too much oil. Mm. Um, wow. Yeah, that's crazy. Okay, so so, so you're so what what time frame does this kind of put us within? So yeah, so that that either you know that puts us you know springish of four BC. So mm -hmm. I guess you know late March, but of course we'll be putting things in the Jewish calendar because Jewish calendar. Um, so late mm -hmm. March ish, um, mid late January of uh, one BC ish, okay. or early mid January of one AD ish. Mm -hmm. So we've got mm -hmm. a four BC date, a one BC date and a one AD date for mm -hmm. Herod's death. Mm -hmm. um, so based on, the, based on the lunar eclipse, based on the lunar eclipses. Yeah. And so, and that's also certainly before the following Passover. Mm -hmm. So we can say there's an eclipse in a pass. So there are also like, well, there are some eclipses that are happening in autumn. We don't care about the autumn eclipses because the amount of time between the Passover and the eclipse is also kind of mm -hmm. compressed. Okay. Not, not okay. super compressed, not sure. too compressed, but it also is kind of, we're, we're thinking more of a winter spring time to look for things sure. rather than an autumn summer. Mm -hmm. So we've got these three eclipses. So we've got these three eclipses. How do we narrow it down? And just a priori, just sort of thinking about it a little bit. If Josephus says that uh, Herod was about 70 years old, well, in 1 BC, he's... 70 or 71 years old. Sure. That, that sounds like it's the most mm. yeah. reasonable one. Sure. But like I was saying earlier, a lot of people who are historians professionally, credit, accreditedly say the 4 BC date. Mm. And that's basically, again, due to the work of Emil Schur. And supposedly there are sort of four major reasons, four major pillars of their argument. One, the eclipse itself, mm -hmm. got to look somewhere around an eclipse. Two and three, very closely related. Um, Josephus puts dates on two different important points during the middle of Herod's reign mm -hmm. and then says when he died, it was this many years since the one date and that many years since the other date. Oh, so if okay. you can figure out when those things happen, then you can figure out when he died. So um, Herod was named king, appointed as king over the region of Judea by the Romans. Mm-hmm. When they had no influence over Judea, they were just like, we want Judea to be a part of Rome, and we will make you the guy who is in charge of that for us. 
<laughs> and then it took like two or three years for them to actually develop a siege and actually take mm. Jerusalem. But they had appointed a king beforehand. They had just a, as he, a he was already king for like two years. <laughs> they didn't know it yet, but he was already king. Mm. Rome says so. And of course, Rome's word is law. Um, so Josephus says that Herod was appointed as king in the 184th Olympiad, the consuls being Gnaeus Domitius Calvinus for the second time and Gaius Asinius Polio. Wow. So the Olympiads held once every four years. Those are the Olympic games. Those mm -hmm. start in summer and in the next summer. Mm -hmm. um, so the 184th goes from July 1st of 44 BC to July 1st of 40 BC. Mm. And Calvinus and Polio were named councils in 40 BC. So the argument goes that Herod was named king in 40 BC. Okay. And similarly, um, Herod actually took Jerusalem during uh, Agrippa and Gallus's consuls in the 185th Olympiad, which okay. was from July 1st, 40 BC to 36 BC. Both of those you can find in Antiquities, mm -hmm. uh, which is Josephus, one of two, the two major works of Josephus. Uh, Agrippa and Gallus were consuls in 37 BC. So Herod took Jerusalem in 37 BC. Seems pretty okay. nice straightforward. Uh, first problem, um, the 184th Olympiad ended July 1st, 40 BC, Hmm. And Calvinus and Polio were named consuls in 40 BC, but only after October 2nd. Hmm. So there was never actually any point in time at which it was simultaneously the 184th Olympiad and the consulship of Calvinus and Polio. Hmm. Um, and Schur himself acknowledged this and said, it's fine. Um, but we're just, we're just going to... The historian. Yeah the, yeah, the historian who's putting forward this 4 BC date yeah. knows that this is a problem and says, mm. well, it's it's not enough of a problem. Okay. Um, because Josephus is a Jewish historian. Consulship is a Roman date. Olympiad is a Greek date. All of his sources are Jewish sources. So they're mm. going to be using Jewish calendars. So if you're going to translate that into Roman dates and you make an error... That's not even something that's like infringing or impugning your your dignity as a historian. That's just a copyist mistake, basically, mm -hmm. on the part of mm -hmm. the original author. Sure. Um, so the fact that we can't exactly rely on the consular or um, Olympiad dating, well, and the Olympiads, a really big range, um, we can't exactly rely on those with 100% accuracy. But I mean, they're probably mostly right. They're not like wildly off. Mm -hmm. um, but sure is saying, we're just going to take these as, you know, pretty much exactly right. Mm -hmm. And you kind of can get away with it because the the fourth point is the, the most interesting and most um, sturdy point okay. that he has, which is that Herod has three sons, all three of which appear to have started their reigns in 4 BC. Okay. Some of them, his direct successors. Because mm. he had a kingship and then that got split in half into an upper and a lower tetrarchy. So, so, so this historian's saying that if they all started their reign in 4 BC, makes sense that Herod died in 4 BC for them to start yeah, their reigns. Otherwise they would be reigning at the same time, which is really weird and okay. also bad. Um, and there's a different interesting response to each of those. Mm. Um, one of them is a typo. Mm. Um, so the, the claim is that Archelaus was banished in 6 AD after a reign of 10 years, 4 BC, 
Mm-hmm. Herod Antipas reigned for 43 years prior to uh, 38-39 AD. Okay. And Herod Philip died in Regnal 33-34 AD after 37 years. Contract that back to 47. Uh, Herod Philip, that's the 20th year of Tiberius' reign is 33-34 AD. Um, but we do have uh, some amount of evidence that says that he was doing stuff related to a peace treaty mm. that was for a war that was after the 20th year. Okay. Um, and so I think, and I think the peace treaty was like a year after even. Mm. Um, so basically we have good reason to suspect that he's doing stuff well after the 20th year when he supposedly died. Okay. And uh, one of the things that Filmer claims is that there are a couple of manuscripts, which instead of saying 20th, which in the Greek would be kappa, it's the 22nd, which would be kappa beta which Mm. is not even just a changing of a two to a zero, which is kind of weird. It's just, oh, I forgot to write in a beta, which Mm. especially since it's a letter Mm -hmm. might also blend in with the words. Sure. So if he dies in the 22nd year, then that means that um, you've got things lining up with the peace treaty. And in fact, if this is even possible, we would kind of disprefer Herod Philip to start in 4 BC. Mm -hmm. We could say maybe... He started in the summer of 1 BC. Maybe he started in the summer of 2 BC, mm. but not really anything else. It's just, it pushes it later, right? Pushes yeah. it later. Um, another of the three sons was not one of Herod's direct successors. Um, so an- uh, another of Herod's sons, Antipater, got executed precisely five days before Herod the Great died um, because he had killed his uncle Herod's brother, Mm, okay. And that guy's office... It's classic Greek tragedy. Yeah, yeah for real. Um, that guy's office was taken up by Herod Antipas. Okay. Mm. So, just because Antipater was executed for the murder of his uncle mm-hmm. right around the time that Herod died, that doesn't mm-hmm. mean that he murdered his uncle. Right around at, the time. Yeah. He just was convicted and executed yeah, during and that there time. There was a whole big trial where he and Herod the Great were in front of Caesar giving a defense. We have records of some of the things that they said. Yeah. Um, so it's quite reasonable to say that Herod Antipas is counting his reign from when the last guy died. Mm-hmm. Whether or not he actually even took office when the last guy died, if there was no one in between. Might as well call that your reign. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then... The third son is Herod's most direct successor, and that one's a little bit more technical um, because by all rights, he really did start counting his reign from 4 BC. Mm. Um, Herod was changing his will a lot, some, as he was... A lot of family drama. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Um, and so it was not originally going to be um, Archelaus for like a span of three years before he, he was like up, changed back to Archelaus, mm-hmm. like in the last month or three. But it used to be Archelaus like several years ago. And so Herod is widely regarded as being kind of paranoid and insane and losing his senses mm-hmm. in, in the, the latter portion of his life he's getting eaten by worms yeah right. that would yeah. make me go insane too to be fair yeah, really <laughs> yeah is that that's what it's doing Jackie? <laughs> that's why i'm crazy <laughs> i got worms ah um so you've got archelaus who used to be in the will 
and then wasn't in the will and then was in the will again. Mm. Um, one of the things that we have from the record of Antipater's trial is that he says, yeah, I was like made a king in my own lifetime. And Herod the Great mm. says, you know, I have given up some of my authority to my son. Mm. And so both of them are basically during the process of trying him for murder, both of them are agreeing that Antipater had some amount of authority. Uh, now, Augustus made sure that you can't, um, Herod couldn't officially name his son's co-emperor. You would have to get Caesar's stamp of approval mm. um, directly once he died. So you couldn't like write into the will, these guys will definitely be my successors and will definitely reign with me right now. Uh, only one guy can reign and that's only under the direct head of Caesar. Mm -hmm. And so if Caesar doesn't say so, can't go. Mm. Um, but we already have that Antipater, who died before Herod did, was in some sense reigning. Mm. And one of the major critiques that opponents of Archelaus levied against him was, you know, after Passover, when Herod is dead, you know, he's like, I guess I'll, you know, scurry off to Rome to try and get the stamp of Caesar's approval. Um, but the people said, hey, you've been doing legal stuff. You've been presiding over courts for kind of a while now. Mm. Hey, you've, you're actually kind of insulting Caesar a lot because you're grasping at the shadow of authority. You're grasping at the name of Tetrarch of Judea, but you've long exercised its authority mm. already and you're making Caesar out to be ruler over names rather than ruler over actual things, mm. you monster. So... His critics are saying, also, he's exercising some kind of authority. And so if you've got someone who has exercised some amount of authority, his brother exercised some amount of authority, and was nearly passed over for being the actual pick for the job mm -hmm. until being changed back right at the very end, you're mm -hmm. going to want to say to yourself, now, dad did say that I could become the Tetrarch like three or four years ago, and I was doing Tetrarchal type stuff like three or four years ago. And so my claim is legitimate. I wasn't just some guy that when Herod was super crazy said, yeah, I'll make him. It'll be fun. And there's some actual weight, some substance. So I will do that mm -hmm. instead. So, so, I mean, basically the problem is that uh, uh, Herod's successor mm -hmm. in historical records mm -hmm. is named in four BC. Mm -hmm. Is that correct? More or less. Like it's claimed in 4 BC. And so what you're saying is that there's some kind of overlap. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, before Herod actually dies, his mm -hmm. successor is claiming some kind of authority, acting with some kind of authority while his father's still alive. And so um, the, 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 the claim of 4 BC for Herod's successor does not mean mm -hmm. that Herod died in 4 BC. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. And just so, means they reached a conclusion. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so you're saying that this, that, that, that pushes it out, uh, you know, at least two years probably. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And so the, it's more a, a thing to say that it is not conclusive that just because these things are happening in 4 BC that we have to say that Herod that died. That Herod died in BC, it 4 is, BC. It is a sure. little bit weird, especially considering the whole you can't officially name successors thing, but we also have the, but he kind of was anyway. Mm -hmm. um, so that's more to say we're not exactly sure that it had to have been 4 BC. Um, because then the real problem is that I can give you 13 different reasons why it shouldn't be 4 BC. And I'm not going to go over <laughs> all of them today. 
Um, but one of the most important things is that um, since Josephus gives the duration of dates, um, Schur has to say, yeah, so I'm claiming that he's dying in 4 BC, was appointed in f- uh, 40 BC, and took Jerusalem in 37 BC. Well, if you do the math, he claims that there's a duration of 34 years and 37 years, but that's only 35 and a half years mm-hmm. and 32 and a half years, mm. which is a year and a half less. And the way that he's getting away with that is saying, okay, so you take the last third of a year and the first tenth of a year, and you count both of those as whole years. Mm. Now, it, it is possible to say, you know, if you've got the last tenth of a year, that you would count that as a whole year of reigning under some, some certain systems. And part of the point of that is that the new year is unlike with Rome, where the year starts when you get appointed, and then when you die, you die. So you will reign for some integer number of years and then some number of months. And then whenever the next emperor comes into office, that will be the time that that emperor starts from because the emperor is the most important person and there's no better (laughs) day to celebrate the emperor's new year than when the emperor's new year actually began. But that can get a little bit confusing Mm because you have to remember when was he appointed in the first place. Yeah. So another common tactic is to say, well, here's the new year. Here is New Year's Day. If you are king on New Year's Day, that year is your year. And one of the things that's important is that you don't get overlaps of years with Mm. that, that you don't say, yeah, the king who was after New Year doesn't take before up to New Year and the king simultaneously who was king during New Year take after that you have overlap. There's no reason to do that. Mm. And so sure has to say, yeah, no, we're, we're taking both sides. We're stretching in both directions and making mm. it as long as we possibly can. But you're saying that's not reasonable. That's not really reasonable. That makes sense. Um, like if everything else made sense, it would be a, I guess I can let that slide. I mm-hmm. don't like that. I think Josie, I think less of Josephus now for <laughs> counting that way, but I guess that's fine, but it isn't fine uh, because everything else works out wrong. Um, one of the other th- problems is that because he's sure is trying to do this, um, there are actually two different New Years in the Jewish calendar. There's the civil New Year in the autumn and the okay. holy New Year in the mm. spring. Uh, most kings are counting their reign from the civil New Year. Sure. Which in the Bible, if you see the first day of the seventh month, mm-hmm. that's New that's Year's the Day. civil New Year. Because the Bible al- almost always refers to things from the holy perspective. Mm-hmm. But if you're appointed from Rome... You're going to follow civil new going, year yeah, rather than holy new year. Because Herod is not kind, but he's not dumb. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't needlessly antagonize his populace. Uh, but he has, sure, has to claim a spring date because he has the March 13th, 4 BC eclipse. And Passover is a month later. Mm-hmm. So he has to go with that spring date, whether yeah. or not that makes sense that Herod would pick that date. He has to say that Herod dies after Nisan first, but before Nisan 14th Passover, a 14-day window just to say, yeah, those three days or however long after Nisan first, I'm counting that as an entire year and Josephus did the same and that's a reasonable thing to do, which maybe it is, but only if you don't also take the entire year beforehand when you only had three months of it. Okay. Okay. So that's kind of not great, but you have you have to have a death that happens 
after Nissan first. And so if you can push it even a day before Nissan first, then Schur's entire thesis collapsed. There's a lot of tension in the system. It kind of just barely works. But if you can push things forward even one year, then other things need to be pushed two or three years out. Mm-hmm. Mm, okay. So 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 based on based on these things, the uh, the the successorship, mm-hmm. the time of his reign, mm-hmm. when he took Jerusalem to when he died. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, basically, what you're saying is is that it makes more sense mm-hmm. to push the date of his death later. Yeah. So where would you put it? So I would put it at the next eclipse. I would put it near the January 10th 1 BC eclipse. I don't really ever hear people talking about the December 29th 1 BC eclipse, the 1 AD death date. Um, it doesn't really help you. Um, and I think the, your, your two main things for that is at the 1 BC death, he is either 70 years old or 71 years old. And at the 180 death, he's either 71 or 72. So all else being equal, we expect Josephus when he says about 70. About 70, yeah. About 70. It's just more accurate, yeah. And then the stuff with Philip of if we're thinking that Philip takes office in either summer of 1 BC or summer of 2 BC, based on the way that Josephus lays things mm-hmm. out, Herod dies, Passover happens. After Passover, then people go and talk to Caesar. So sometime in the summer, we expect sure. his sons to yeah. take off. So either summer, yeah, summer 1 BC or summer 2 BC, okay. we don't really see summer 1 AD as an option, which would have to be the case if Herod's dying on the 1 AD date. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. not, and not very many people even like the 1 AD mm-hmm. date to begin with. So it's not really yeah. that... It's not something that you have to be prepared yeah. to talk about too so much. Let me, so let me just try to like summarize real quick. So uh, in Josephus, mm-hmm. it says that there was a lunar eclipse. Yes. And then Herod died yes. before Passover. Yes. And so there's basically three lunar eclipses within the range that people think Herod would have died. Yeah. And one of them is March 13th, 4 BC. Mm-hmm. And because of uh, some... some uh, influential scholarship that's been done mm-hmm. that has kind of become the consensus date yeah. amongst scholarship Th- that eclipse mm-hmm. right so the so the death of herod is in between march 13th and passover yeah 4 bc you're saying that because of all the reasons that you just laid out you think that the next eclipse mm-hmm. the next lunar eclipse which is basically january 10th 1 bc mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. is more likely mm-hmm. yeah and so that means that herod died somewhere in between January 10th, 1 BC, and the Passover yeah. of 1 BC. And and much closer to the eclipse than I I would hazard a guess due to some festival information uh, that it might be that there is a celebration on either January the 27th or February 2nd, uh, you know, mm-hmm. translated into th- from the Jewish calendar, um, that might commemorate his death. So I'm tentatively saying that that is, it's the best I've got, and yeah. it's mm-hmm. around that time. I'm yeah. not staking anything on it, but the 27th of January ish, one BC. But because it kind of because it kind of makes sense that like if someone if someone's going to say like this eclipse was a signal of the judgment of God, mm-hmm. and then Herod died, it would make sense that it wasn't like months later. Yeah, yeah. right. Like yeah. it's probably something relatively immediate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or, or at least proximate. Yeah, duration wise, so that people would be like, "Yeah, mm-hmm. it looks like that was the judgment of God," right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So we've narrowed down our time frame a lot, right? Yeah, yeah. And one of the uh, kind of important things that when you're doing this research of why you would want to do this sort of thing is nine different historians all agree on a single year that Jesus was born in, mm. and that's well because of 
Jewish year starting in autumn, that's 3-2 BC, September 10th, 3 BC to September 28th of 2 BC. Um, Irenaeus of Lyon says that. Clement of Alexandria says that. Tertullian, Julius Africanus, mm -hmm. Hippolytus of Rome, all in the second or early third century. These are like the earliest sources yeah. we have for the church yeah, fathers. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and then Origen and Eusebius and Epiphanius and Erosius, all in the third and fourth centuries, all say the same thing. There are some people who say other years, but there are not that many of them, and they don't agree with each other mm. like these guys all, all agree say. agree with each other. 3-2 BC, which would be impossible mm. if Herod died in 4 BC sure. in actuality, yeah. but okay. he didn't. So it also lines up with other church historians that we regard as very intelligent and, and reliable yeah. sources yeah. in church and history. Early too, early. Yes, yeah. yeah, early. So Because the, the problem would be if Herod died in 4 BC mm -hmm. and Jesus was born in 3 or 2 BC, then the stories about Herod in Jesus's life are made up. Yeah. yeah. Right. And so that's why this matters. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, from an apologetics his, historical Absolutely, standpoint, right? Yeah. So, so, uh, so you you kind of have laid out a good case for mm -hmm. all these reasons mm -hmm. why actually that's not the that's not the mm -hmm. best conclusion to come to because it's probably more likely that Herod died in one BC, yep. right, yeah. rather than four BC, and so that leaves open the that leaves open the possibility that what the church fathers talked about in terms of the birth of Jesus fit, yeah. Mm -hmm based on, you know, and, and honestly, like the things that Herod does in the story mm -hmm. of the Bible kind of make it seem like he's going insane. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. if worms are eating his insides mm -hmm. and he has all these other diseases at the very end of his life when he's about seven years old, that actually yeah. makes sense to me, right? Yeah, because absolutely. he's like still in power, but he's like sort of like gone crazy, yeah. right? With, right? With illness and, right. and as death approaches. And so, so, um, so in terms of the concentric circles, mm-hmm. What is this? This doesn't necessarily, this doesn't necessarily change mm -hmm. the date of Jesus, right? His birth. No. This just means that the stories that you see in the in the Gospels yeah. about Jesus' interactions with Herod and and at what time these things happened is possible mm -hmm. yeah. and reasonable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So, so then, what's the next the next piece get of to evidence? The census, yeah. Right? So, census. Um, a lot of people are, you know, up in arms about the census. It has to be in 6 AD. Under Quirinius. Uh, under Quirinius, yeah. yes. Um, and that has to be a particular uh, event mentioned in Josephus, which was the annexation tax for when Judea stopped being a, you know, satellite of the Roman Empire mm -hmm. and started becoming an actual part of the Roman Empire. Okay. Um, and that happened supposedly in 6 AD, despite the fact that absolutely no detail of what Luke mentions is matching with an annex tax. Okay. Um, so, okay. So historians look at this census mm -hmm. and they say census, sensi, censuses. I don't know. We're done for <laughs> these purposes, such yes. as taxation. Yes. Mm -hmm. So the annexation tax would be a good reason to do a census, mm -hmm. but that was 6 AD. Yeah. And, and so they say, so see, on the one hand, Luke has entirely misunderstood what Matthew was saying and puts it at a completely different date. So his chronology is wrong. But also, despite the fact that he says Quirinius first census, every single detail about that doesn't match because there wasn't a census of the entire Roman world. Nobody was forced to go back to their homes. That was simply never done. 
Um, why does the stem of Jesse have anything to do with it? Mm. If supposedly Jesus is born of the Virgin Mary and not of Joseph, this is entirely nothing to do with Quirinius census. So C. Luke is a bad historian on two counts. He says something that is, he's calling it first Quirinius census, but it looks nothing like Quirinius first census. And it's also at the wrong time with everything else. And I feel like you got to commit to one or the other of those. Mm. But if you commit mm. to both of them, then you're just, you're canceling them each other out sure. with that one. So what's your solution then? So um, first, just as a side note, a couple of interesting things. Um, as far as I'm aware, and I might have misremembered this, but Josephus is the only source we have for this thing being this happening. Annex tax. This annex tax. Okay. In six, it happening in 6 AD in particular. Okay. Um, and there was a theory that I found, which is a bit bold, and so I'm not going to recommend it, but just for your consideration, that in fact Josephus recorded the same account three different times and put them at three different points in history. Okay. Um, and so it might even be the case that the honest annexation tax didn't even happen in mm. 6 AD. That's a, that's a live possibility, apparently. But I don't need to go that route, but just for your consideration. Okay. Um, Another thing for your consideration is we have records of people like Justin Martyr and Tertullian who are, you know, first century people championing for the faith, and they are appealing to the historical records of, see, this is the census. This is when it was taken. We've got, you know, I don't know if they said we've got Joseph on the list, but they're like, see, look at the census records mm -hmm. for what we're doing. Mm -hmm. And they're going against people like um, Celsus and Porphyry. Mm -hmm. They've got opponents. Yeah, and they're using the census to uphold their 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 arguments. Yeah. So they have to be referencing something that lines up with Jesus's birth yeah, as it, we're seeing it here. If you're saying that you have more ability to spot errors than Celsus and Porphyry do, on what grounds? They've they've got more access to the evidence here. Yeah, certainly. If if there's that glaring of an error, then we're they're going to say something mm -hmm. about it, and the conversation is going to look very different. Um, so if it wasn't if it wasn't the uh, annex the annexation tax, then what what was this census? Yeah. So I think, especially looking as we are at three two BC, we should look around that time for something interesting that happened. And something interesting that happened was a, a confluence of two things: both the twenty fifth anniversary of Augustus Caesar being uh, Caesar. Okay. And the 750th year of Rome itself. Mm. So Augustus is super popular. Everyone loves him. He's been doing this for 25 years. Great job. Wonderful job. And it's also the seven. That's, that's three quarters of a millennium. That's yeah. great. That's it's a big wonderful. celebration. It's a big celebration. It's not like 50th episode celebration, not but it's like quite, pretty but decent. It, but it's, it's like next level. Yeah. 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 Fine, fine job. Yeah. Roman Empire. You get that at the same time yeah. as the 25th anniversary of Augustus. Like New Year's and episode 50. Yeah. Confluence Something of things. Like that. Yes. Yeah. Really solid confluence. I yeah. totally understand what yeah. a festival like this <laughs> is yeah. about. And so what is it? This and, you, and so, What is this called? So, so the people not Augustus himself, but the people say, you know what? Let's give a title to Augustus to commemorate this. Let's mm. call him father of the fatherland. Peter wow. Patriae. Wow. That rules. And so we have, we have good, we have good evidence of exactly, exactly when this happens. Um, it's a good, that's a good the, nickname for me. Maybe in, I'm not, in, no one's calling you that. On the, on the 50th episode. <laughs> no one's calling you that. Us, the pot, what is it? Pater, what is it? Peter Patriae. Pater Patriae. I wow. like it. 
I like that. You're gonna throw your R's like that too when you address me as such. No one's addressing him like Mm -hmm. that. Okay, so this happened. This happened. And we know actually the exact date. It was the fifth of February to BC. Okay. Um and one of the things that we know is that, you know, there's a list of people that's presented to him on this day. And so you're going to have to have some amount of time to draw up this to list. To get this list yeah. of people. Yeah, okay. And so what the, there are two mentions of the word that Luke uses for census that Luke uses. The other one is an ax, and it does refer to an actual census. It refers to mm-hmm. that annex tax mm-hmm. that we talked about earlier. So it is possible that that word refers to a taxation census, but it's literally just an enrollment. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so if you've got a list of people saying, hey, Augustus is the greatest in all the land, he's pater patriae, we love him. Sign here, please. That's also an enrollment. It's a census, yeah. It's a census. And in fact, we have in Josephus, he records that there was a time when all the people of the Jews gave assurance of their goodwill to Caesar mm-hmm. and to the king's government. And the Pharisees did not swear being above 6,000 mm. in number. Mm. And that was before Herod died, shortly before Herod died, maybe about a year mm-hmm. before Herod died, the Pharisees refused to swear an oath to Caesar saying he's the greatest in all of the mm-hmm. land, which we know Peter Patrie, 5th of February, 2 BC, pushing that back to maybe collecting in October or November because it's cold in the winter. Uh-huh. You don't uh-huh. want to mobilize people in the winter. right? So collecting those names in the fall of 3 BC, that is about a year. Maybe a year and a, maybe a year and a third before Herod dies. Okay, it's lining up with what Josephus is saying yeah, there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, which then is, hey, if you've got someone who's descended of David, who is royal, who could possess royal land, who could make some claim to some throne, like Jesus wound up doing, then you would want to go to your royal lands. Mm-hmm. So maybe not everyone in the empire went to their birthplace, but people who are of the stem of Jesse would would have gone it's to the their, town of David, yeah. the town of David, Bethlehem. Um, and so that that would mm-hmm. give some amount of reason why you're moving yep. why you're moving to ancestral lands because they're keeping track of that sort of thing. And yeah. if you're royalty, that's kind of important. And we do also have I I don't know I I, I seem to vaguely remember that Erosius is a okay-ish historian that he's sometimes a little bit extravagant with the details, but he gets things more or less right. And this is something that he says relatively flat. It's like fifth century. Yeah. Yeah. And this is, I mean, about 417, I'd say even uh, for this particular quote, but he says with little pomp or circumstance, Caesar for the first time ordered a census to be taken of each and every province and that all men should be enrolled in these days. Then Christ was born and his name was entered in the Roman census list immediately after his birth. This is that earliest and most famous acknowledgement, which designated Caesar first mm-hmm. of all men Father, and fathers. the Romans lords of the world. Okay. Doesn't sound like text to me. Yeah. No. Yeah. So that lines up. So where does that leave us in terms of how how accurate or or how small of a pool of dates we have now for Jesus's birth? So first and foremost, we're not left with a contradiction. Yes, <laughs> yeah, everything's lining up. We do have some dates left in the pool. Um, but that does mean that we should kind of want to have Mary sufficiently pregnant during the census. Yes. Which is probably happening before November because again, you don't want to mobilize during winter, summer. Mm-hmm. So 
that means that, you know, pushing forward, we should probably say, eh, September 6th at the latest. Mm-hmm. And then... Wait, what year? Of, of 2 BC. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and then based on, we also don't want Mary to be too pregnant to not even be able to move. Mm-hmm. So probably, you know, just taking things balancing out roughly February 5th, the day that the list is presented to him. Mm-hmm. We don't want Jesus to be born too far before that. Cause then Mary's probably like eight months pregnant mm-hmm. at best, if not already Jesus being born when the census is taken. And mm-hmm. so then that doesn't fit with what the gospels describe of she's pregnant and then goes to and Bethlehem then goes to this. and then yes. Jesus is born in yep. Bethlehem because she's going right. there because Joseph right. is there for the census. Okay. So, so that is 2 BC, let's 2 say, BC. right? Yeah. Born sometime in what? The spring or summer. Spring or summer. Maybe, the, maybe early, early fall. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, uh, about seven months okay. wide Yeah, we're narrowing it down within, well. Within 2 BC. With like within seven 2 BC. Months. Nice. Yeah. It's kind of interesting. This is like one of the things that critical scholarship does sometimes, which is they look at the Bible and they simultaneously say the things that line up are because these like Bible writers are so like genius and diabolical <laughs> that they've connected all these things and they've planted all these things that are going to echo for, you know, m- a millennia and mm-hmm. confuse people because they want this thing. But they're also so dumb yeah. that they don't understand that Herod died eight years before this census was taken uh-huh. that, that talks about the birth of Jesus, right? Mm-hmm. Like those two things simultaneously being true yeah. is like, it's, it's just, absurd. it's just so ridiculous. Yeah. It's like, well, which one is it? Like, Are they really smart? And if they're they know diabolical, how to they probably yeah. line these things up, right? If yeah. they're dumb, then probably not all these things line yeah, up. They can't be yet, really smart right, and wise right. about history, but miss that Herod had been dead for several years. Right. right. Yeah. yeah. So we've got, so, so as of right now, we're thinking something like, like February to September. Yeah. In 2 BC. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So then I believe that, uh, says that Jesus is baptized. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. And yeah. it gives, it gives a time frame for this. What, yeah. is, what so does this, it say? This is, this is, it, this will sound familiar, but we'll, we'll make it a little bit more potent. So one of the other things that is super clear, nice numerical date. Thank you, Luke, is that um, John the Baptist starts his ministry in Tiberius 15th year. Mm. And we know when that is. It's very easy. It's the it's September 28 AD to September 29 AD. Mm. Um, there are some people who will try to argue for a different date for Tiberius uh, beginning his reign. And I will just say now they are wrong. <laughs> uh, you can trust. We'll take your word for fair it. Enough. <laughs> you can trust the majority of historians on this one. He wasn't co-emperor and also emperor. And that's one thing. Those are two different things. Um, so, that is when John the Baptist began his ministry. Okay. Began baptizing a whole bunch of people. Sometime in that year. Sometime in that year. And at the same time that everyone else was baptized, Jesus was also baptized, and he was baptized at about 30 years of age. So that is in that same year. Jesus should be about 30 years of age, so yeah. somewhere in 28 AD. Yeah, and importantly, um, Luke 8.42, talking about Jairus' daughter, mm-hmm. um, who famously one of the few people who was resuscitated on this mm-hmm. mortal plane. Yeah, raised. Um, said to be about 12 years old. Mm. So this is not just Luke saying 30, well, about 30, maybe 32, maybe 28, mm-hmm. uh, about 12. This is this is a meaningful claim of maturity. Sure, yeah. And Which is typical in the rabbinical process, yeah, right? Yeah. 30 years old, you enter into sort of like your teachership, if okay. you will. Numbers 4-3, mm. yep. high priests. Yep. 
30 to 50 years old. Mm. Um, so if you count backwards and you say Jesus should be just about exactly 30 mm -hmm. in 28, 29 AD, then that pushes back basically overlapping exactly with 3-2 BC. 3-2. Mm -hmm. Yep. So that might be the argument that some of the historians even used, and that just means that clever historians thought that was a good argument. Mm. But we can do a little bit more with that, because if Jesus is crucified in 33 AD, mm -hmm. just trust me, <laughs> uh, I don't have time to get into that. Uh, but if he is, then we should say that he experiences three or four Passovers, mm -hmm. he experiences 33 32, 31, maybe 30, certainly not the Passover in 29. Mm. So we should expect that if he's baptized, he's baptized after the Passover of 29, mm -hmm. which means that we've cut the year in half. Okay. And we're only looking at him being baptized between the spring and fall of 29 AD. And he's supposedly already 30 by this point. So that's sure. not a proof that he's going to be born after Passover, but it pretty strongly indicates that we want him to be born in the later half of that window that we were looking at earlier. Sure. So now we're we're into what time frame we're, here we're now, for his birth? Yeah. So so now we're looking more towards um, an April to September window. Okay. Because um, Passover is typically April. Typically April. Yeah. Well, and also. If all the people are getting baptized and we're talking about the winter. It's kind of, you want it to be warm to be baptized to be outside. In yeah. The, yeah. And so some people yeah, are I would get, at least. Some people might be in the winter, but all the people. Yeah. When all the people start coming out, it's yeah. like, well, it's warm enough to get it's baptized. Just so getting I should probably get Jordan. <laughs> I should probably get in the Jordan. Just it's warm out. Jordan yeah. in December. Yeah. You're not doing that? No. All right. So we've, so, so that kind of takes it from that seven month span that you talked about. Down to about four and a half. About four and a half. Which wow. is about 20 weeks. We're getting pretty close. Um, and so you've got, so you've got, you know, April to September, basically, yeah. right? Mid-April, even. Mid-April to September. Early September. Early September, yeah. Um, okay. So that's, I mean, that's already pretty great. That's already pretty impressive to know that year. much. Yeah. It's great. Um, so one of the things that if you can pull it off, and I think I've pulled it off, can get you a whole lot of precision is if you can figure out the birth and conception of John the Baptist. Because mm. one of the things that is in the account of Luke mm -hmm. is that Zechariah is serving in the priestly course of Abijah. Mm. Mm. And so if you go to, I think it's First Chronicles is the main place where it lists the 24 high priestly divisions. They go in a cycle, you know, once every 24 weeks you're serving. And so you are part of a division if you are a priest. So you're only serving two, maybe three weeks in a year. Okay. So you don't have to do a whole lot of continuous work. Um, but then once you're on, once you're working, you're working for that week. Mm -hmm. um, and so a lot of different people will try to figure out when this is using different things. A very popular one is um, something that is, I mean, it's dated to the second century, maybe even the early second century. Uh, it's a Jewish source. Mm. Uh, scholarly source sounds honestly pretty great, mm. and it's it's the Seder Olam, and it claims, quote, Rabbi Yossi says favorable judgment forbode favorable days, and guilty judgments guilty days. You find it said when the temple was destroyed for the first time, that happened on the day after the Sabbath, during a post sabbatical year, and during the watch of Jehoiarib. 
priestly division of Jehoiarib. And on the ninth of Av. And so also when the second temple was destroyed. And at the point of destruction of both temples, the Levites were standing at their posts reciting the same psalm. And what was the psalm? He will bring back on them their iniquity and wipe them out for their wickedness. The Lord our God will wipe them out, mm. which is Psalm 94, 23. It sounds great. It sounds very poetic, very symbolic, mm-hmm. very, you know, that, that's, that's really saying something. Mm-hmm. This is a sign from God. The temple's destruction is, you know, is, is a judgment. Uh, problem. Basically, every claim is factually incorrect. Mm. Uh, demonstrably factually incorrect. So, um, neither of the two destructions of the temple were in a post-sabbatical year. Um, neither destruction of the temple was on the ninth of Av. Second uh, Kings 25.8 and Jeremiah 52.12 both give a date for the destruction of the first temple. Mm. Neither of them is the ninth of Av. Okay. Um, the second destruction of the temple wasn't on a Sunday. And in fact, if you look Around where the second destruction of the temple should the destruction of the second temple should have been, um, the ninth of Av wasn't a Sunday for nineteen consecutive years. Okay, from fifty-seven to seventy-five. Mm-hmm. Um, it's generally understood that it was destroyed in seventy. Uh, Seder Olam claims it was destroyed in sixty-eight instead. Okay, wow, um, two-year difference. Two-year difference, just kind of for no real reason. Okay. Um, so that's also kind of weird, but neither of those have the ninth of off on a Sunday, so you can't claim that it's both on the day after a Sabbath and on the ninth of off at the same time. Uh, also claims the Seder Olam the, that the gap between the first and second temple destruction was only 490 years rather than 650 years. Uh, most historians agree that there is a lot more time between the destruction of the first and second temple. So basically, everything that I just said that you can fact check is fact checkable as false. So we shouldn't take this quote as a reliable historical source. Not, not really. Okay. And, and there's also freaking s- Rabbi Jose. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think it's supposed to be pronounced Yossi. I know, I'm just but, yeah. Jose Yossi. Yeah. We'll spell Jose. Right. Yeah, yeah. We're, I mean, yeah, we're fine to pronounce things the way, how the they're way spelled the, around here. The, oh gosh, the way the way <laughs> we talked about the evolution of the name Jesus mm-hmm. before, you know, and basically like it's like there's like it kind of sounds good in every language in, in mm-hmm. America in uh, English and American English. It's like Jesus, <laughs> but yes, yes. Yeah. Uh, so so um, so that you know basically that description from from uh, from this rabbi in the Seder Olam. Seems incorrect, right? Seems incorrect. So what does this have to do with John the Baptist's birth? So there are a lot of people out there who, again, it's a very popular topic. People love to try and figure this stuff out. So if you're using this and saying, well, we know when the second temple was destroyed. So if we put Jehoiarib there and we work backwards, we can figure out when the course of Abijah would have served. And if you're doing that, you're going to get it wrong because that's not when Jehoiarib was serving because we have no reason to trust this source because everything else yeah. is false. Mm-hmm. Sure. But it's popular. And so you'll hear it. You'll hear people talk about it and you'll say, oh, well, the Seder Olam, it's a second century Jewish source. They've got to know what they're talking about. This is, you know, mm-hmm. maybe a century after the destruction of the second temple, they've mm-hmm. got to know who was serving. Yeah. Uh, it's a... Probably not. Also, seems like they don't. Important to note that I think that there's some amount of um, metaphor here because it says on the first day of the week, on the first year of the year week, and on the first priestly division of the cycle of 24 priestly mm-hmm. divisions, the temple was destroyed both times. Mm-hmm. 
So that sounds like something that's, as it says at the beginning, favorable judgment forebode favorable days and guilty judgments, guilty days. Those sound like... It's trying to make a point with numbers, but not necessarily be historically accurate. Yeah, so it's not even... It doesn't even have to be a bad thing to write to just be not historical. Sure. Um, However, you can use the Dead Sea Scrolls Mm. to get stuff for the priestly divisions of Abijah. Um, It's a little tiny fragment... Uh, well, in a collection of tiny fragments, but the most interesting one is 4Q333. And one of the things on it says that there is a guy named Emilius who mm. killed some people. And then two weeks later, he killed again. Oh. Um, and as it happens, that is the name of one of Pompey's important uh, sub-general, subordinate, like right-hand man type people. And so the siege of Jerusalem in 63 BC, which is different from Herod's siege, Pompey's siege, in 63 BC, well, Emilius probably killed some people during the siege mm. and then probably also rounded up the important officials and executed them a little bit later than Two that. weeks later, maybe. Yeah. Sure. Um, so because this is on a particular calendar of a particular group that uses a different calendar than the typical Jewish calendar, mm-hmm. they use a solar calendar which doesn't have any reference to the lunar months of the Jewish calendar, but it still references the priestly divisions and it still calls the months the same thing. Mm -hmm. Um, Still has the same festivals. It might not align exactly, but it says that this Amelius killing is happening sometime around the Day of Atonement. Mm -hmm. Well, Josephus also records that Pompey's siege in 63 BC happened around the Day of Atonement. Mm -hmm. So we should expect that the two courses that are named, uh, most importantly, Jehezkel, and I think the other is Gamul. Um, so Jehezkel is happening around the time of 63 BC mm-hmm. Day of Atonement type stuff. So because the priestly divisions, the priestly divisions are on 24 week cycles, they don't line up with right. the years at all. It's right. just every 24 weeks. There you have it. Yep. Um, so they happen at entirely different seasons, depending on what year you're, you're doing things in. Mm-hmm. Uh, some people will claim that because all of the all of the priests were supposed to help out on the three feast weeks, that then you would have the twenty four weeks, and then you would stop the cycle, so that you would go fourth guy, holiday, fifth guy for the weeks. Um, that's only fifty one weeks if you've got forty eight, you know, two lots of twenty four, and then the three feast weeks, which is not the length of a year. Mm-hmm. So they don't give any repair strategies for what happens in that last week, or in the case of the lunar calendar, what happens in the entire leap month. Mm. Um, so that's not, that, that's not what happens. It's just a con- con- continuously rotating cycle of 24 weeks. Okay. Um, so pushing forward multiples of 24 times seven days from roughly plus or minus two weeks around Day of Atonement 63 BC, you can find out a couple of different things where Zechariah, and then also pushing not from Jehezkel, but to Abijah, which is where Zechariah was actually serving. You get a couple of different windows. And so one of the windows that you could look at, which is wrong, would have Zechariah serving around mid-September of 3 BC. And so if you push forward, uh, the gospel say that you push six months and then that's in Elizabeth's sixth month, Jesus is conceived mm. in Mary, and then nine months after that, he's born. So if you push forward 15 months from that potential course of Abijah, you reach early December 
of 2 BC, mm. which is way too late for the February 2 BC, Pater Patriae. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mary would have to be pregnant only starting in March, which is already after the list has been in Augustus's hot mm-hmm. little hands. Mm-hmm. Um, it is outside of the window of the nine historians, which say September 3 BC to September of 2 BC, not mm-hmm. December of 2 BC. Um, you're even cutting really close to Herod's death. Um, so that is not the right window. And if you go for the window that is two cycles after, that's 48 weeks after, um, then you're about in, or before rather, then you're in um, mid-October 4 BC, mm-hmm. which is not as bad, but the latest that you could push the birth would be right around February of 2 BC. So again, your census is taken at best at like eight months of pregnancy for Mary. You've got Jesus born well before Passover, which is why I brought up the baptism stuff, because it's not impossible, but we really shouldn't prefer Jesus to be born before Passover, and you Mm -hmm. have to have that in order to stretch out from October 4 BC, quote-unquote 15 months, all the way out to February 5th. That's Mm -hmm. taking a lot of liberties there. Um, And then it also interacts poorly with the Magi stuff, which we'll get into later, but there's a lot of time there that you you don't want that much time. So... You go for the one in between those two. You go for the week of Passover 3 BC. Mm-hmm. It happens to be on a Sabbath that year. The priestly division starts Sabbath to Sabbath. The Passover can happen. It's Nisan 14th, any day of the week. It happens that the entire week of Passover lines up with the entire week of, well, I'm claiming Abijah, March 30th, 3 BC to April 6th of 3 BC. And that would push us to circa mid-June, and one, some of the stuff that's nice about that is um, Luke one ten has at the hour of the incense offering when Zachariah is doing all of this stuff, the whole congregation was praying outside. Mm. If this is some ordinary day. Why are they all praying outside? Why are they there? Mm. Why are they there? But if it's Passover, you're supposed to be in Jerusalem if you are a Jew for the Passover. That, yeah. is, that is the thing that you, you everyone is, everyone is here. Um, so, so what does so what does this what does this say about John the Baptist's birth? So this says that if all of the fullness of the people are around the time when Zechariah is serving, mm-hmm. and then Zechariah, as soon as he's done serving, so April seventh, let's say, goes home, John the Baptist is conceived, April seventh, April tenth, somewhere around there, three BC. And so then and So something like having it at Passover helps with the whole congregation, aligns with the Dead Sea Mm -hmm. Scrolls stuff. So that means that then John the Baptist would be born about nine months later. But before that, you get to um, also in Luke, uh, there's, so I I looked at some commentaries on this and um, we've talked about this before and I found even more evidence that um, there's one point where Luke says that um, Gabriel visits Mary in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy. Mm -hmm. And there's a different point where Luke says, in the sixth month. And that construction is the construction that is used all throughout the Bible for the sixth month of the calendar year. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, because he said a couple of verses earlier, Elizabeth secluded herself for five months. Basically, every commentary just says, clearly, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy. Don't think about it. And this is one of the few cases where I say, actually, please do take things out of context. 
because that in the sixth month doesn't actually have anything to do with with her pregnancy. With her pregnancy. Sure. It's a coincidence mm-hmm. that the two are lining up, but the construction in the sixth month is exactly the same. And it's joined not it's linked not with the standard um and particle of just this happened and this happened and that happened. And there's a lot of starting sentences with and mm-hmm. in the original Greek. It's a sort of a then or moreover or even but. It's mm-hmm. quite often translated as but, however. And however in the sixth month. So she secluded herself for five months. However, but moreover, in the sixth month of the calendar year, mm-hmm. Gabriel visited Mary. And then he, the construction that is used is to refer to when Gabriel's talking to Mary, refer to Elizabeth. This month is the sixth for her, which is a very different construction and uses some of the same words technically, but it feels very different. Mm-hmm. So if you've got Passover, which happens in the first month, you know, we're saying, you know, the 14th to the 21st of Nisan gets home maybe. So John being conceived 22nd-ish of Nisan in the first month, and she excludes herself for five months, then at the tail end of the sixth month of the calendar year, then it would also be the case that this is the sixth month for her. Mm. But when Luke says in the sixth month, he can mean just in the sixth month. Sure. Like you would expect if you saw that in literally Anywhere another else context. in the Bible. Yeah, sure. So those two things line up. Mm-hmm. So you can say that as well, that if John is conceived during Passover, then in the sixth month mm-hmm. of Elizabeth's pregnancy is also in the sixth month of the calendar. So that lines up. So we really kind of do want to see Jesus born sometime during mid-June, sometime during the third month, sometime during Sivan. And that's... Even not like the beginning or end. That's a week or two right in the middle. So, uh, I mean, this is all like, this is very interesting. We probably have to wrap this up in like 10 minutes. Oh dear. (laughs) And we got to talk about the Magi. Got to talk about the Magi. So all of, you know, all of the stuff that we've talked about so far, Herod's death, the census under Quirinius, Mm -hmm. um, the birth of John the Baptist, Mm -hmm are pointing us towards something like June mm-hmm. to BC. Yeah. Uh, and so then there is some kind of astrological Indeed. phenomenon that is mentioned uh, in the gospel of Matthew specifically, right? In the story mm-hmm. of the Magi. And so the Magi see a star mm-hmm. and that alerts them of a newborn king. Yeah. Okay. And uh, they say it's rising in the east. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But Herod was totally unaware mm-hmm. of this star. Yeah. And so that means that it began to appear at a particular time. Mm-hmm. You shine, guide them south. And so they go and they see this, mm-hmm. right? So the reason that this isn't just a normal star that's always there mm-hmm. is because Herod's like, what are you talking about? Yeah. Go see what's going on, right? Yeah. So this is mm-hmm. an astrological phenomenon, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So what does that yeah. do? So... In basically every language, the word for planet either is planet or means planet, means wandering, because the Greek phrase asterios planetai, wandering star, basically everyone else had the same idea or stole it from the Greeks. Mm -hmm. And so, but aster, that's the word that Matthew uses. Mm -hmm. And so if he says that a star stops, it was moving at one point, Mm -hmm. and that's the definition of a planet. Mm -hmm. Um, Due to apparent retrograde motion. It's the technical term for it. 
Uh, the outer planets that are still visible with the naked eye, so Mars and Jupiter and Saturn, mm-hmm. uh, they won't just appear to go in a direction. They'll appear to go and then kind of go backwards for a little bit and then go forwards again. Mm. And so there are two points at which they stop. Mm. They appear to halt their motion in the sky. So we have narrowed it down to three planets it could have been. Yeah. I know like when you see Mars, like sometimes Mars is visible and it looks like like a really bright star. Mm-hmm. So that makes sense. Yeah. And so if you have this being a star, then it can be, well, Herod's looking at the night sky and says, looks like the sky to me. No new stars, no stars gone. Seems okay. But if one of these three things does something astrologically, symbolically significant, then Magi, who are Zoroastrian priests, one of whose jobs is literally to look at the look stars. Look at the stars, yeah. Then they might notice that and say, ah, we should do something about that. And so we should, and so we should also think, so why are they thinking about a Jewish king? Well, Daniel got made second in command of the wise men in mm-hmm. Babylon. And then Babylon got taken over by the Persian empire. Mm-hmm. So if these guys are Persian Zoroastrian Magi, everything seems to line up just fine. Mm-hmm. So you look at things like Psalm 110, see the uh, episode on Story Simple Spirit about Monkey Sedek for more information on that. Monkey Sedek, yes. Yeah. Yep. Um, and Jeremiah 23, 1 through 7, you can see things that Sedek is sort of emblematic of Messiah. Mm. Um, and it just so happens that the Jewish name for the planet Jupiter is Sedek. Okay. So if you're seeing, hey, Sedek is doing something interesting, and you think, hey, Sedek is related to Messiah, then in some sense, Messiah is doing something interesting in the sky. Mm. Which the Magi are come from a lineage mm-hmm. where Daniel is probably talking about some of these ideas yeah. that certainly the Messiah, yeah. what the Jews are looking for. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, so if Jupiter in particular does something interesting, mm-hmm. then we're good to go. And it really does. Um, so circa, we're, we're going to go backwards a bit and then go forward. So circa the Jewish new year of three BC, mm-hmm. Rosh Hashanah, um, which is, like I said earlier, when a lot of kings started their reigns, the Jewish civil new year, Tzedek yep. um, meets with Regulus, which is the king star or the center. Tzedek is Jupiter. Yeah, Tzedek, Jupiter. So Jupiter meets with Regulus. Yeah, and conjoins. And what is Regulus? Uh, Regulus is one, not the brightest star, but one of the brightest stars okay. in the sky. Okay. The brightest star in the constellation of Leo, the mm-hmm. Lion of Judah, where mm-hmm. kings are from. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we've unearthed stuff that's relating the 12 signs of the Zodiac to the 12 tribes of Israel mm-hmm. yeah. uh, for quite some time back. Yeah. Um, and because of Jupiter's wacky back and forth motion, about half of the time when it passes by Regulus, it just keeps on going. But about half of the time it will go and then change its mind and go back and then change its mind again and then pass forward. So it'll either be a single conjunction or a triple conjunction. Mm-hmm. And Jupiter's ears are about 12 Earth years long. Mm-hmm. So about, um, you know, once every 30 years or so, you're going to see a triple conjunction Jupiter with Regulus. Mm-hmm. So it happens some of the time. It's kind of interesting when it happens, but it's pretty pretty ordinary. But it's lining up exactly more or less, within a day or two mm. with the Jewish New Year 3 BC. So if we say the week, that's a 1 in 52 chance of something that happens only every 30 years. That's already a 1 in 1,560 chance 
that Jupiter lines up with Regulus at the Jewish New Year. But, I mean, it's a circle. It's going to happen sometime. Mm-hmm. It's weird that it's happening now, but it, it happens at some point in time. But exactly 40 weeks after this sign, exactly the length of human gestation from the time when kings are crowned, we see another interesting thing happen with mm-hmm. Zedek, with Jupiter, and that it conjoins with Venus. These are the two brightest planets, the two brightest wanderers. And this conjunction happens in the Lion of Judah mm-hmm. at the full moon. Mm-hmm. And this happens... For, in, in, in the Leo constellation. In, in the constellation, yeah. yeah. Yep. And this yep. is happening in the middle of June, mm-hmm. 40 weeks, Tuesday to Tuesday after Jewish New Year 3 BC. And so that's the, the 15th of Savan, the full moon of Savan, June 17th to BC. And so if the Magi are saying, well that looks like a symbol, and we say that looks like the symbol that the Magi saw, and they were correct, then it doesn't have to be the day that Jesus was born on, but it makes the most sense if they're seeing an accurate sign seemingly from God that it would actually be mm. directly connected to what's what's happening here. Um, and then it says that they're making a voyage, and then Jupiter stops when they reach their destination. Um, well, if they're all the way in Persia, and they want to get to Jerusalem, then they're not going to be able to go straight through. They're going to have to pass through like the Syria range where summers are really hot. Um, and we've got in Ezra 7-9 that the journey from Babylon to Jerusalem takes about four months. So if you've got a four-month journey there and a four-month journey back, and you're going through a place where summers are really hot, then you're kind of going to want to arrive in the winter if you're the Magi, because you're going to want to pass through on the way there in like November so that the summers aren't hot, and then back in like February so the summers aren't hot, so you're not getting hot times. So the Magi would want to arrive in winter, and especially if they're like, well, we're not exactly sure what that first sign is. Oh, the birth of our king. We should probably get going. Then we should expect to see them in Jerusalem in the wintertime, and also four to six months after that second, you know, birth sign mm-hmm. um, and they're going to have to get their affairs in order and stuff. Their officials, they're going to be gone for a year. Um, so we expect them to be in Jerusalem sometime in the winter. And if you look at when Jupiter stops, the only time between Jesus's birth, theoretically June 17th, 2 BC, and when Herod dies, theoretically January 27th, 1 BC is December 28th or December 26th, Julian calendar of 2 BC just right around Christmas time. So um, you do have the thing of some people put the shepherds and the Magi together. Um, The shepherds are basically at the time when Jesus is born and then he's presented at the temple 40 days later. But when the Magi arrive, then they go immediately off to Egypt. There's no temple in Egypt. Um, So they're not necessarily at the same time. So if you have the Magi in the winter at Christmas time, giving gifts like we do now at Christmas time, then the fact that Jesus is born, you know, in the summer doesn't change the fact that Christmas is still a good celebration of a real historical event that actually happened. Gotcha. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes sense. So, so based on all of these things kind of narrowing down mm-hmm. and I mean, honestly, like it seems like kind of specifically this sort of astrological yeah. event, uh, you have Jesus's birth. What day? June 17th, 2 BC. June 17th, 2 BC. Yeah. Gregorian, which is on a Tuesday. Very few people know that. Okay. Um, Sivan 15th. I didn't know it. Yeah, of course. I I knew it, obviously, (laughs) but Jackie didn't know. Um, Okay. So so then 
And so basically what you're saying is that some sometime in late December, mm-hmm. the Magi see this sign yeah. that indicates the birth of a king. So sometime in September, of th- so th- late the- December is when, so the star stops right. over right. Bethlehem and that's so... That's when they're actually there. So they saw the sign right. a while ago. So they yeah, they had to travel. I'm saying yeah, I'm yeah. saying that their journey begins because they see the sign. Yeah, they saw the sign then, in like the fall. Then late December, mm-hmm. they actually get there. Yeah, and so they're the, they bring the gifts mm-hmm. in sometime like December twenty sixth, fifth. Because again, like that, it right? stops, but it looks like it stopped for maybe a day sure. or two. You can say, well, it stopped at exactly this time with mathematical precision, but you're looking at it. It looks like it stopped for a couple of days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So, um, so it still makes sense. Still makes sense. Still to makes celebrate perfect Christmas, sense. right? Yeah. Uh, and most of, I mean, so so the the important things, like it's it's interesting to try mm-hmm. to pinpoint a date, and I think that you've done an excellent job. Um, but it's also just interesting to show that the contradictions in typical scholarship, critical mm-hmm. scholarship, a lot of them uh, are not only like not conclusive, mm-hmm. but in in most instances, doesn't even seem like the best option. Yeah. Right. Yeah. In terms of the earlier death of Herod, the late, the late dating of the, the census. Which I mean, might be for that event, but not for the event that it, Luke records. Exactly. Exactly. And so, you know, basically, and, and this is, this was kind of like when, when your dad and I talked apologetics a couple of years ago, when we did a class here, it's basically like you have these things on the surface that because of the history of modern critical scholarship, you're kind of like, okay, there's all these things that kind of seem very unlikely. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it's sophisticated and intelligent to just kind of think that what the Bible's talking about is nonsense, right? <laughs> but then when you actually look into it, mm-hmm. yeah. the complete opposite is true. Yeah. And everything actually kind of lines up. And so, uh, you know, from like the most important takeaway from from what I am taking from all of this today is number one, everything about the gospel stories in terms of Herod, Quirinius, the, 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 the census, the birth of Jesus, the birth of John the Baptist, and this intense, crazy astrological sign that's very rare, all of it actually lines up. Absolutely. Mm. And it fits. And so, of course, like, it's not saying like, yes, this happened because we have, you know, (laughs) we've put this together, but it is saying that, you know, it all makes sense. Mm -hmm. And you juxtapose that against like what I think, what I was saying, one half of the modern critical scholarship is like, Mm. these biblical authors are so stupid. Like they, they have all this, these contradictions and like people back then must have just been so dumb that no one ever thought about this. Mm-hmm. No one ever questioned this. No one ever really, you know, this is like with the date, you know, when I talked to your dad about the dating of the, uh, the, the gospels and stuff like that, it's like, like modern scholars are like, we have just now thought that maybe these things were written too late <laughs> as if the church fathers haven't been defending that since like, yeah. you know, the second century. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, um, and, and so um, this is like, you know, for, for, for all the people that listen to this podcast, you obviously listen to podcasts because you care about the Bible. And I think in our, in our mind, our modern minds, the question is like, there is this haunting of modern Mm. scholarship, modern stuff. That's like, is it all nonsense though? Mm. Or even, is it just a theological retelling that didn't really happen? Mm. And so this stuff is very, very important because it shows like, no, you don't, you, you, you can be confident. Mm-hmm. Right, like there's every reason to believe that this this stuff yeah. lines up both 
in terms of actual historicity and in terms of of uh, what the yeah. Bible says. Yeah. When we started this podcast, John, you and I talked a lot about how I was really impacted by an interview I watched about someone deconstructing their faith and they kind of talked about like why they stepped away from their Christian faith. And one of the reasons he gave that I thought was, I always thought was so sad was he said he felt like he was looking for answers for things like this and, and turned and was afraid of everything at every corner. And one of the reasons we started this podcast is because we don't want people to be yeah. afraid. Yep. So I think like this is a fantastic discussion because like if you genuinely have a question about like the historicity of things mm-hmm. in the Bible, like this is a great answer to say like there are answers and, and we do believe something not only miraculous, but also logical and reasonable. Yeah. Yeah. So thank you. Yeah. Mm. Faith is not blind. No. It's it's, it's reasonable. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And in fact, I mean, my argument basically of my life is that not it's, not believing is illogical. <laughs> is the illogical right? Like it is completely yeah. illogical to not yeah. believe in God. Now yeah. I, I, we can get into that later. But yeah, and he but, does. But to <laughs> but to <laughs> believe in this, but to believe in this makes sense. Yes. Yeah, from from a depth of scholarship mm-hmm. and looking at different sources and looking at different types of information. So um, this is uh, this is very helpful. You know, if you're listening to this podcast, um, you know, take this and 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 just be confident that the things in the Bible, mm-hmm. even something as historically verifiable as the birth of Jesus uh, is not um, some glaring contradiction yeah. Yeah. that we have to hide from or mm-hmm. be afraid of. You can dive into the deepest depths of scholarship and even critical scholarship and find that it is all totally reasonable. And mm-hmm. you have come up with uh, a, a very reasonable date that fits within all of these different things in biblical and extra biblical sources. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's just really sweet. Cool. Thank you. Yeah. So I appreciate it, Alexander. Uh, you have anything else before we, before we sign off? Not really. No, you good. No. Jackie, you got anything? No, this is a really cool episode. All Merry right. Christmas. Yeah. Merry Christmas. everybody. Merry Christmas, everybody. And we will see you next, next year. Year. On the 50th episode oh. with Get my new ready. nickname. No, I'm not calling it that. <laughs> it was Jackie will address me as I'm not addressing forward. him as anything. And so we love you guys. Merry Christmas. We will see you in 2024. Uh, Story Simple Spirit. Bye.